Okay, well, let's pray and we're going to jump right into Ephesians. We're going to keep going. Verse 13. Yeah. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for the class. Thank you for our friends here. God, thank you for your word. And ultimately, that is, that is what we've come here for, is to hear from you and your word together. And all of the things that come with that, um, the fellowship and, and um, the refreshment of one another's uh, presence. But, but God, really, it's all so that we can hear from you, so that we can surrender our lives to you, so that we can move forward in our ministry with you and to you. And so, God, I, I'm asking that you would have your way with this group that as we are kind of launching as a ministry, we're really beginning to get some spiritual legs and we're starting to do outreach and we're starting to really get momentum with our Bible studies and we're really seeing fruit in our lives. God, would you have your way in pruning, in directing, in encouraging uh, this group? And Lord, would you also just, you know, for those of us who, who need to join in that work, for those of us who need to get off the bench and, and get in the game with this. Lord, would you encourage them to do so? Would you challenge them? Uh, would you cause whatever friction in their thinking that needs to happen? Would you convince them? Because God, I recognize I am incapable. I am personally in, incapable of, of changing people's minds, of, of showing them uh, the, the, just the, the wonderfulness of walking with you and serving you. I can't do it, but Lord, I believe, we believe your spirit can and that, that you can speak directly to our hearts right where we're at. You know the word that, that we need to hear this morning. And so God, uh, would, would, you, would you help us to hear it? Would you help us to see what you have for us this morning? And God, I ask for that in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we're going to go through Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13. Where we've been is, is the book of Ephesians. We've been covering that for several months now. And last week we talked about um, verse 11 and 12. And so I'll just review a little bit to get everybody up to speed with where we're at in the text right now. In verse 11 and 12, Paul is talking about the church, okay, and the church structure. And he's talking about these people that when Christ ascended into heaven... Okay, so Jesus is on earth. He dies. He's buried. He resurrected. He's on earth for like 40 days. Jesus, after he resurrected from the dead, he's on earth for like 40 days. There's a group of like above 500 people that saw him all at once. So there's all these people that have seen Jesus after he rose from the dead. It's wild. It's a historical fact that Jesus rose from the dead. And then he ascends into heaven. He's hanging out with his boys in Acts chapter 1, and all of a sudden, right, he just starts floating, and he ascends. And then he's standing at the right hand of God the Father, and eventually he's sitting at the right hand of God the Father. He's in heaven right now, physically, literally in heaven. Okay, but when he did that, he also, in that timeline, he gave gifts to the church. Now, if you, if you just kind of sum all of that up, he gave us what? What did God leave us? What did God give us when he ascended into heaven? The Holy Spirit, right? He gave us the Holy Spirit, the indwelling Holy Spirit, also known as the Holy Ghost. So the Holy Ghost in the Bible means God's Spirit inside of you, okay? So the Holy Spirit is inside of you, but then what does that Holy Spirit does? What does that Holy Spirit does? What does that Holy Spirit does? What do that Holy Spirit do? 
It guides you. What else does the Holy Spirit do? Seals you, convicts you. What you? Quickens you, it makes you alive. Yeah? What else? Teaches you. What else? It changes you. Yeah, it changes you. Did you know that the Holy Spirit inside of you gifts you? It causes you to be able, get this, to profit the body of Christ. In other words, God in you can use you to profit this group. You, if you're in here and you are born again believer, if you have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior in your heart, you were gifted by God to profit this body, this church. Now, he also gave you specific gifts in, in terms of people. He gave you people as gifts for your walk, for your ministry. And we talked about what those are. We talked about he gave uh, the church, he gave the church apostles. And he gave them prophets. And he gave them evangelists and pastors and teachers. And we kind of talked about their function. What is the purpose of leaders in your life? And we're going to continue that thought. Uh, it was for what? What was the three purposes of leadership? We're going to continue this, but where, where were we at in verse 12? What's the purpose of leadership in your life? For the perfecting of the saints, so to mature us. What else? Work of the ministry, so to organize us, to help us to be used by God in ministry, and then what? For the edifying of the body. Yes, Aubrey threw her voice all the way up here to Joel. It was amazing. Yeah, for the edifying. So your church leaders should be helping you to be built up in your faith, to be encouraged. Okay, we're going to continue that thought here in verse 13. In the first portion of verse 13, it says this. So they're supposed to do those things. Leaders are supposed to do those things in your life till we all come in the unity of the faith. The leaders are supposed to be working in our lives till we all come in the unity of the faith. Unity of the faith. Okay, so guess how many times the word unity shows up in the Bible? Somebody, ready, go. 2, 74, 24, 25, 63, 57. The answer is three. Close. So... The word unity shows up three times. And the first time that it shows up, which this is something you should pay close attention to, the first time a word shows up, the first time a phrase shows up, you want to pay close attention because God is, is using that in a unique way to give you insight into what that word means throughout Scripture. So the first time unity shows up is in Psalm 133. The other two times it shows up are in Ephesians that we've talked about um, even in class. So Psalm 133 verse 1 it's a song of degrees of David. And he says this. He says, behold, look, behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It says, guys, check it out. Check out how good and pleasant it is for us to dwell together, to be in this room together right now in unity. He says, that's good. How many of you know that it's not good when there's divisions in a group? Maybe it's in a classroom. Maybe it's on a team. Maybe it's in a church. You know that when there's divisions, when there's, people are at odds, 
It is not good and it is certainly not pleasant. How many of you know that? Have you experienced that, right? We play Foxbox on Sundays. Foxbox is a silly game. You just throw a Frisbee and a goal and you run around. It's good exercise. It's a lot of fun. Uh, but if you've played Foxbox before, if you haven't, you should play. Come play with us. Come hang out with us. We just hang out on Sundays after church. Okay, but if you have, you know that when you're on a team and there's one or two people who are just pouty and they're yelling at you and, and you're not meeting their expectations or they're like confrontational about something, you know how, how little fun that actually is. You're like, I kind of, I just want to lose so I can get off here. Like, I just want to get away from this person right? Contrarily, when you're playing and there's unity and you're on the same page and you know what this person's going to do and you know, you know the kind of where they're going to run to and you know like how the game is playing and how it's going to play out, dude, that, that's a good time. Or when you're in, a, in an orchestra or in a band and you know that you're, you're in tune with this other person and then you're harmon your part is harmonizing with this part. Like Rashawn is singing and every Sunday he's always singing the harmonizing part really loud. And so I always hear him. <clears throat> and sometimes it's really pleasant. It's like, oh yeah, these are like mixing, right? That's a good time. Okay, so here's your vocab. Unity simply means oneness or agreement. Oneness or agreement. We, we like unity, okay? We like unity. We like when we're in agreement, when there's oneness. Now, Christ gave us our leaders to get us to a place of unity. Our leaders are supposed to get us to a place of unity in the faith. Or in other words, we're supposed to get to a place of unity in what we believe. And our leaders are part of doing that. So if there are adults in here, you students should be them. Are they provoking and promoting unity or not? And I can tell you this, like, that's what we want. That's what we have on our minds and on our hearts. We want this group to be unified. But leaders are given to us to get us to that place of unity in the faith of what we believe. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. So run with this train of thought with me. Romans 10, 17 says, so then faith, where does faith come from? Faith, what we believe, cometh by hearing. Okay, so you have to hear something to believe it, to understand it, to know, to even take note of it, to pay attention to it. So we hear something and hearing by the word of God. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So what we believe then comes from what? What we hear, what we hear comes from what? So then our faith comes from what? God's word. Our unity of the faith depends on what God says in scripture. So whatever God says, we believe, right? If God said it, we just believe it. Therefore, when we're all surrendered, let's apply it. When we're all surrendered to the authority of God's word, <clears throat> we're going to have the ultimate unity and agreement. So if Ken just says, I don't care what I think, I have all these ideas, they don't, they don't matter in terms of whether I'm right or this person's right. What matters is, okay, what did God say? 
Doesn't matter what I say. Every man's a liar. Let God be true. Every man's a liar. Okay, whatever he says, I'm going to believe that. Well, if he believes what the word says, and I just say, well, I'm just going to believe what the word says, guess what? We're going to agree automatically. Right? So check yourself. Do you just surrender to what God says? Or do you have your own agenda, your own ideas, your own thoughts about this or that? Maybe it's you're critical of this group. Maybe you're curious of this group. Maybe you're, I don't know, maybe, maybe you feel totally out of place when you're here. Well, what do you believe about God's word? Is it the authority or are you? Here's your key point. Our level of unity is determined by our view of scripture. Our level of unity is determined by our view of Scripture. If you have a rebellious attitude towards Scripture, if you say, mm, I don't know about this word, then you affect our unity. So as your leader, let me just provoke you to unity. If you have a rebellious attitude towards Scripture, you are affecting our unity. You need to submit to God's word. I need to submit to God's word. We need to submit to God's word. If you have an apathetic view of scripture, if you have apathy toward God's words, you are hindering our unity. Now, it may just be that you're hindering your unity with us, but you're a part of us. So, so let me just go against our American way of thinking. The Americans, we think, well, I got my thing going on here. I do my thing. I'm individual. So the only thing that matters is what happens to me. So if I do something, as long as it doesn't affect other people, I'm good. That's what an American would say. Well, let me just contradict that a little bit. You aren't American in Christ. There's actually no nationality, no uh, ethnicity. There's no uh, gender. There's no... There's nothing in Christ. You are actually just one in Christ. You're the body of Christ. And so if you are disunified from the body of Christ, you are affecting all of us. Even if you're just doing your own thing and you think you're only affecting yourself. I got to encourage you. You need to just submit to scripture. You need to give your heart to God's word and your mind to God's word. Because if you're on the bench, you're affecting our team. Because God gave his spirit to you and gave way that you are supposed to profit us that makes sense like not only is ministry really exciting it is for you but you're actually exciting for ministry like we need you on the team participating if you're playing foxbox on sunday after church if there's a person that's like i don't know what i'm supposed to do and they like walk like this you're like, what's wrong with that guy? Yeah, we think the same thing. Why isn't this person running? Like, you got to get back on defense, or you got to go down there, and you got to cut, or you got to at least get open. Like, you can't just be a pole in the middle of the court. You have a part. You're on the team. So get moving, right? Okay, so our unity is determined by our view of Scripture, but let's look at the other part of this, this first phrase in Ephesians 4.13. It says, uh, our leaders are also to lead us till we come in the unity of the faith and the unity or and of the knowledge of the Son of God. The knowledge of the Son of God. Knowledge is knowing something. Son of God is 
So you softball. Jesus, right? So I want you to understand this. This is an important note that varying understandings, varying understandings of Jesus Christ and who he is, they cause divisions among so-called Christians. Varying understandings of who Jesus is cause divisions among Christians. I had an interesting conversation this last week. I was at a barbecue, just hanging out with some friends. Some dude rolled up, and he had varying, varying uh, understanding of who Jesus is and how Jesus works, and uh, it caused a division. There was a disagreement, and and we talked through it for about an hour, an hour or more, just talking about different interpretations of Scripture and different. I mean, it was like exhausting. There was not unity there. The ministry, which is kind of what I wanted to show up and do. I wanted to minister to a guy who, you know, his wife comes to Midtown. I'm hoping to show up and just to be an encouragement to this husband to maybe bring him into our fellowship. And I just wanted to bring somebody into the unity we have here at MBT. And this other guy rolls up and ministry was not happening. Debating was happening, right? Sweating in my armpits was happening. It was not cool, not fun, right? It's because varying understandings of who Christ is, they cause divisions. So here's what we need to know. Christ gave us leaders. He gave the church leaders to get us to a place of unity in our knowledge of the Son of God. In other words, he gave us leaders to teach us who the Bible teaches Jesus Christ is. You say, well, duh. We see them do that all the time. Okay, if you take your Bible and you go do that by yourself, if you just go study all by yourself, you plus Bible plus time with no church, no leaders, no structure that God gave us, you will become a heretic. In other words, you'll have some stupid doctrine that you grabbed from Scripture and you twisted his words and you took it out of context and you made it something it's not. And in 10 years from now, you're going to be a weirdo that rolls up to a barbecue and debates with someone who's trying to minister to somebody else. I'm just telling you, that's how it plays out. We've seen it. There's kids that have been in this group who say, I'm good. I'm not going to buy in with the agenda we have here. I'm going to go do my own thing. And they're all messed up, man. You plus your Bible plus time with no church is not a good equation for you. It's not. The very first guy I ever led to the Lord. It was awesome. We we're in the basement of my parents' house because I was a teenager. and had no idea what I was doing, but I knew I needed this guy to be saved. So we looked through scripture. I just show him what someone showed me. I'm like, bro, I think we can just pray these prayers and these things that God says, and I think you'll be saved. And so we pray and he has joy on his face. He lights up after we pray on the ottoman, no, no, the, the, the futon in my uh, parents' basement. We go up the stairs. I remember like the, the prayer and I remember walking up the stairs and I remember going to the door that's in the garage of my, my parents' uh, garage and the door that opens up to leave. And I'm like, just tell him like, dude, I'm so excited. Like we're brothers in Christ now. And I give him a hug. And he was a good friend of mine. And so it was really cool. It was special. I mean, it was like, this is awesome. Okay, he never landed in a local church. He never really plugged in. He was kind of in and out. And then he, we graduated high school, and he was still kind of in and out. But he was kind of in for a season. So he signs up for discipleship. 
and he's being discipled by a guy named Jesse Hamilton. Really cool. Jesse Hamilton is discipling this guy. He's learning. He's learning. But then excuses come in and he can't meet with Jesse Hamilton and he can't really attend main services. And he kind of just takes his Bible and, and then actually uses a different version. He's like, this is easier. And I, I don't know who he's learning from, YouTube or something. All of a sudden, he is learning his Bible on his own, says, I don't need somebody else to teach this to me. I have the Holy Spirit and I have God's word. The dude got way out of bounds, way out of bounds real quick. God gave you the church structure to teach you who Jesus Christ is, to learn the Bible. And when we study the Bible, learning from our God-given leaders, and get to know Jesus Christ according to his word, we have the ultimate unity. We have unity when we know who Jesus is according to his word. When we know who Jesus is according to his word. Not when you know, and when you know. We're all on the same page. First John chapter 1, verses 1-3. through three. This is John He's saying to believers, he says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life. Who's he talking about here? Let me read it again. That which was from the beginning. Who's from the beginning? Jesus. Which we have heard. Who did John hear teaching and preaching in the synagogues? Jesus which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes. Who did John see do ministry and do miracles and do crazy stuff? Jesus. Which we have looked upon and, and our hands have handled of the word of life, capital W. That means it's a person, Jesus. For the life was manifested and we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you, he's saying to, to the church, to believers, we show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us. Okay, so he's inviting us into fellowship with him. He says, and truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. Okay, so when, when I know who Jesus Christ is, and when you know who Jesus Christ is, all of a sudden, man, together... We know who Jesus Christ is. Yeah, the Bible says this is who he is because that's what Pastor Sam said. That's what Pastor Chris said, Pastor Brandon, Pastor Kenny, Pastor Will, Pastor James, Pastor Andrew, whoever. That's who Josh says. That's who Nate, Philip, Dan, the ladies, whatever. These leaders are telling us from Scripture this is who Jesus is. I see it. You see it. Man, we have unity there. We have unity. Key point number two, I think, is our level of unity is determined by our view of Jesus Christ. So if Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, and he's my Lord and Savior, hey, we see Jesus the same way. We have something very important that we agree upon. If Jesus is my friend, if I know him well, and you know him well, we're going to treat each other a different way than we would if he's not your friend and he's my friend. If he is the son of God, if Jesus is God, well, you believe that? I believe that? We see that in scripture? We're going to have a different outlook on life than a lot of people. But consider this. Irreverence, a neglect, an offhand approach to Jesus Christ taints our unity. If Jesus is just some guy to you, you may be tainting our unity. 
if you have some false understanding, you have some heresy, some heretical understanding of who Jesus Christ is, you are absolutely tainting our ability to be unified. And I'm not assuming that young people like you guys have some developed idea of who Jesus is. Maybe we're on like square one. But let me tell you, as we go from square one to square two, we've got to be lined up with what scripture, with who scripture says Jesus is. And if we're not, we're messing, we're messing ourselves up. Okay, the next phrase here. We're given leaders to, to have unity of, of the faith, what we believe. We're given leaders to, be, to come into the unity of, of our knowledge of the Son of God, of Jesus Christ, right? Of who Jesus is. And then we're also given leaders uh, to come into the unity, to come unto a perfect man. In other words, uh, we're, we're given leaders to perfect us. Okay, well, what does perfect mean or to perfect? What's that mean? Here's a vocab word. Perfect means to mature or complete. I didn't throw it up there, sorry. To, to perfect or complete. So Christ gave us leaders to get us to a place of maturity as a body. In other words, get us to a place where we look like Christ according to his word. So we believe what we believe what God says. We believe who Jesus is. And then our leaders are supposed to get us to look like Jesus. Now, it's ultimately God that does it. It's ultimately the Holy Spirit that does that conforming work. But guess what he uses? He uses me. So guess what's going to happen? I'm going to get boring sometimes in my preaching. I'm going to ask you to do something that makes you uncomfortable. I'm going to be such a way sometimes because I'm just a dude that we're at odds for whatever reason. I'm going to let you down. I'm going to fail you. I'm going to disappoint you. I am. And I can tell you this. It is going to eat me up. So if I can just if I can just try to stimulate some empathy from you. When when the senior classes graduate each year, it kills me. Partly because I'm gonna miss them. Okay. I mean I love them. I'm gonna miss them. But there's another big part where I think through all of the failures I had with those kids. Like I had Elijah and Travon and Celia and Cody. I had a lot of them, not all of them, a lot of them since they were in sixth grade. And I let them down a lot over seven years. And it tears me up. You know why? Because I'm thinking about them and I'm thinking about like the judgment seat of Christ. And it brings me to a place of complete brokenness because I know I did not get the job done like I, like I could have. I beat myself up a little bit about it. And so I only say that to you because I'm going to let you down. But you need to know that my heart is for you. My heart is, is to bring you to a place of maturity. And so I ask that you just follow my lead. Hey, let's go. And I'm going to do everything I can to lay my life down for you. I don't do this for money. I don't do this for status. Like, it's not cool to be a youth pastor. Okay? It's not. No one thinks youth pastors are cool. We're just cringy. Like to the student, like if you just think about the dynamics. So like students think I'm cringy. That's cool. I get it. I am. 
my peers think, you know, whatever. I'm just, we're just friends, like, whatever. But, like, my superiors, they think I'm just the guy that does the stuff with the teams, right? There's no respect on any levels, which is totally cool. I'm just saying I don't do it for the respect. I don't do it for money. I do it because God, God's heart is for you, and he gave that heart to me. And so I'm going to do everything I can to see you come to a place of maturity, to grow in your faith, to grow in your understanding of who Jesus is, but to grow to be a mature man or woman of God. That's the goal. That's the hope. That's the prayer. That's the objective. So Romans 8, 29, it says, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So God foreknew you. He knew you were going to, he knew you were going to get saved when you got saved. He knew that. He knew you before you were even born. But everyone who gets saved, he, he has a plan that you would be conformed to the image of his Son, that you would end up looking like Jesus. That's God's goal. And he uses leaders in your life to do that. God wants us to look like Jesus Christ in behavior, in our attitude, in our faith. Now our maturity, get, get this with me, okay? I know this is hard. Stay away with me. Our maturity is produced by our continual response to God's word, his people, to our circumstances, and to trials and hardships. You grow when you respond to his word. You grow when you respond to his word by obeying. You grow when you respond to his people by submitting yourselves to them. You grow when things are hard, when you have trials, when circumstances are tough, and you just respond in faith. That's when you grow. That's how you grow. Our leaders are called to teach us how to do that, how to live according to God's word, no matter the circumstances, no matter what happens. So, you, let's, be, let's be real real quick. Do you know immature Christians? Like, I'm thinking adults. Like, do you know adults that, not immature like me, like I'm a big idiot, like I get it, okay? But like, do you know adults who when things get hard, they get a little sloppy. You know what I mean? Like, you know, on Sunday they show up and it's like, wow, that person's really spiritual. Right? But maybe you have a view into their, their life on a Thursday, right? And things are tough. And it is not the same as Sunday. You know what I'm talking about? Like as I was a young person, I saw that. And I think you guys have a nose for that, too. You can smell that out. You can, you can sniff out a phony, right? Okay, why is that person immature? I can tell you why. Because they didn't learn to submit to, to the leaders in their life. Because they didn't learn to submit to God's word, to live out God's word in all circumstances and situations. That's why. So the question is, do you want to be that immature Christian when you're 40? Do you want to be a 40-year-old 12-year-old. I know I don't. I desperately don't. That sounds miserable. Well, learn to, learn to submit to God's word. Here's your key point. 
our level of maturity is determined by our commitment to obey scripture. Our level of maturity is determined by our commitment to obey scripture. And here's how it play, plays out. The more you obey, the more you will grow. The more you are determined today, this morning, if you'll make this decision, okay, I don't know what it looks like. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to determine. I'm going to make this decision that I'm going to obey God's word. Today, this week, this summer, I'm just going to obey God's word. I'm going to trust his word. I'm going to trust him to give me what I need, to tell me what I need to do, to, to encourage me along the way, to coach me, to, to lead and guide me. I'm just, but I'm going to, I'm going to submit. If, it, if the Bible says it, that's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to believe. If you'll make that stance, you will grow. If you don't make that stance, you're not going to grow. You're going to kind of be weak and frail. You're going to be weak and frail. And you're going to kind of be miserable. The more you obey in trials and in peaceful seasons, the more you obey, the more you'll grow. Okay, so then the last phrase here that... Um, the leaders are used in our lives for is, is this is the duration it's unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so a lot of big words seems like a legal document um, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ lots of prepositions here's what we can see measure you know what that word means it means like measure of the stature you know what that one means stature Got it, Josiah. Yeah, so a stature is like is like your your frame, your size, your stature. But it's also it's that that uh, Greek word behind that. Okay, is translated stature, but it's also translated age. Okay, so your stature is like the age, the fullness of that time. Okay, so the measure, the measurement of the age of the fullness of Christ. What's that mean? That means leaders are in your life until all the people who need to get saved get saved. Okay, till the fullness of Christ, the church, the body of Christ, until it is fully built. It is fully grown and developed. That's how long your leaders are supposed to be leading you. That's how long you leaders are supposed to lead those who are following you. So the, the work is done when all the souls are one. The work is done when the souls are one. So what are we doing on Friday? We're going to build the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's what we're going to do. We're going to go fill it up. Why hasn't Christ come back yet? Why aren't we in heaven right now? Because there are souls that God wants to save and wants to use you and me to go get them. When all the members of the body are fully and fitly joined together and bringing glory to God, then the role of pastors and teachers and leaders, guess what? I'm done. That's when I retire. I'm out. So, kind of got your objective. Leaders are to help promote unity in the faith and what we believe, to provoke, un provoke, provoke unity in, um, in who we see Jesus Christ 
as and who he is according to, to the word to help us grow and mature and to get to work, right? So as your pastor, as your leader, uh, I want to invite you to answer the call to, to be about this. I want to I wanna call you, invite you to join us in this ministry work that we're doing. You say, well, what are we doing? You're just preaching. Well, this is about 10% of what we're doing. You're experiencing like 10% of the ministry that happens in this student ministry. What I want to invite you to do is join in our effort in establishing Bible studies. Some of you have been here for years and you have not ever been to a Bible study. I want to invite you to join a Bible study. Don't be scared. Don't be too busy. Jump in. Join in our effort in establishing Bible studies. Haul that water with us. Join in our effort in establishing unity in here. What does that mean? How do I do that? Talk to each other. I can get to know each other. There's a lot of visitors now. A lot of newbies. Do you know them? Get to know them. I hate doing that. Just to be honest, I mean, I love the idea of being on the hospitality team. Like, I really want to do what the Morgans are doing. Like, my heart of hearts says, yes, hospitality, welcome team. But my flesh is like, no, run from that. Don't meet new people. Right? Join in that effort with us. Join in our effort in winning souls through outreach. Some of you are gifted to just connect with people you don't know. Some of you, it isn't a problem to go up to somebody and meet them and to even open up a conversation about who Christ is. That's not tough for you. You're bold. Well, hey, come on. That's like playing soccer and, and the evangelists are like the forwards. They're, they're, supposed to, they're the strikers. They're supposed to be scoring goals and you're sitting on the bench and we're all just playing defense. Like, okay, great. Yeah, we'll just defend the goal all the time. Yeah, and we'll just play, play soccer down here on our half. And we'll never go advance. We'll never go move the ball down. We'll never go see more people won. We'll just, you know, play at it down here. We're going to get really good at defense. Well, come on. We need you. The invitation is to haul the water with student ministry and to haul the water with MBT. If you're a freshman, you are now available to sign up for uh, for all MBT ministry, if you haven't already. Kid Town, Cafe Team. I mean, I don't know that all the other ministries, there's like a zillion of them. Okay, if you have an idea, if you see a need, if you see a place where you might be able to fit in, come talk to me. Come talk to me, say, hey, Jeff, we've never talked before. Nice to meet you. I'll say, hey, nice to meet you. What's up? And you'll say, there's a team of people that do this thing. Do you think I should do that? And I might say no. Or I might say, I have no idea. Or I might say, yeah, that's a great idea. You, you would be great with that. You should do that for sure. Or maybe it's somewhere in here, tech team, praise band, hospitality, Bible study, whatever else we do in here. Does that make sense? Jump in with us. The water is warm. Join the team. Join the work.
Join the unity we have. Get off the bench. Stop being a baby. Grow up. Let's do it. Let's get to work. What are you waiting for? Like legitimately, what are you waiting for? You know? We want to, we want to, we want to do this together. You're like, okay, Jeff, can you stop now? No. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna let it be awkward. And I want you to think about it. What is your role? What is your part in the body of Christ? How has God gifted you to profit this group? And if you're not doing it or you don't know, let's talk about it. Let's work through that together. Okay? So I look around. Every single person in here should have a role. Your role is not to just show up and stare at me and wait for me to be done preaching. I'm going to keep going. I'm not going to finish. We're going to be out here until 12.15. I'm sweating more than all of you, I promise. But it's going to get hot in here real quick because my hot breath is just going to keep on coming out. Jump in. Get uncomfortable with us. It's a good time. Okay, I'll be done. All right, let's pray, and then we'll get out of here, okay? Father, thank you for your word. God, thank you for the ministry. Thank you for each of these students, the ones who are on the bench, the ones who are in the game, and they're, and they're going after it. Um, for the ones who see the vision, who have a heart for the mission. But God, for the ones who see this group, and, and they have questions, and they kind of turn their head as they look at things, and, and maybe they're asking questions to themselves or to each other even about what's going on here. They're, they're just not, they're not ready to buy in. God, would you draw us to the place you want us to be in today? You're not asking any of us to be something um, that, that's impossible. You're not asking us to, to do something that you can't do through us. You're not asking us to do something that's too hard. Because, God, you, you want to do the work through us, in us and through us. And so wherever we're at, Lord, would you meet us there and would you get us moving? Would you, would you as our coach, get us into the game and teach us how to play, teach us how to, how to do the thing we're supposed to do? Lord, I recognize that, that maybe that just requires a lot of humility. Maybe some of us are too proud to, to jump in and just say, okay, what do I do? Because maybe we've been here for years and, and we feel like there's an expectation that, you know, we should have been doing this for years now. And, and um, we're just now getting around to seeing it. God, show us humility. Show us grace. Uh, but Lord, also, don't let us believe that. Don't let us believe the lies that our flesh and that, that the world, that the enemy would tell us. Don't let us believe that. Uh, just help us to get involved, to get going with this ministry as summer really begins to get going with this summer, be the summer that we say yes to you. That we jump in and God, would you be glorified? Would you be glorified from the fruit, from, from the things that are happening? God, would you continue to protect and to grow this group, the leaders? Would you continue to, um, to just bless them, to make them fruitful, to make us desperate for souls, God, to make us desperate for fellowship with you, and uh, Lord, have your way with us. God, we need that. We want that. And uh, we need your help to, to, to see that happen. And so God, as we go into worship service, 
let this breath of fresh air going from service to service be refreshing and energizing um, and get us into worship service ready to hear from you and to, to respond, to respond to you. It's not about just sitting and listening, but to respond. Would this next service be a worship service where we worship you, where we interact with you, where we hear you, but then we, you hear us say, yes, Lord. How do you want me to move forward? Would the altar call at the end be full of students who aren't afraid to grow up and, and, and go down to the front and loathe themselves, humble themselves before you. If I could, I, I'd say the whole group should be down front, praying together, asking for prayer, begging you for souls. God, we don't want to make something happen. We don't want to fabricate a, a false response. God, we want your spirit to move. And so would, would our hearts be open to that? And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, it's